Hi, I'm Paul Johnson. Thanks for listening to the podcast from Life Support. Just a week before uh, he took his life, we were on a walk together, and and he was sharing some stuff, and with tears coming down, he said, Dad, God has shown me that he loves me so much, so incredibly much. He said, I've never been loved like this before. That is Brad Knefelkamp, as he shares with Pastor Paul today about the tragedy experienced in his family, the dark days ahead, and ultimately where he is finding hope. The name of this program is Life Support. Everything you do from then on is different. One of the detectives, I think his name was He was a golden boy. All we can do right now is come together. Extreme domestic violence, multiple rapes. The purpose of Life Support is to help others know how to come alongside those who are hurting and suffering. And hosted by Paul Johnson, lead pastor of Ridgewood Church in Minnetonka, Minnesota. In this series, Pastor Paul hosts conversations with trauma survivors. No stranger to personal tragedy himself, Paul lost his first wife to cancer and then experienced the homicide of his 21-year-old son giving him a unique perspective and empathy as he conducts these conversations. Here is Pastor Paul Johnson. So glad to have you on Life Support. And we tell stories, and we tell stories to help you find a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ and to walk through trauma, and we can walk through that together. Brad Kneffelkamp is a very special guest that's joined us. And Brad, thank you so much for being here. It's great to meet you. Great to see you. And you have um, a story that's difficult but really unique, and there's some aspects to it that I think are really going to uh, reach into people's lives and are going to encourage them, and I think that they're going to see a lot of Christ in this story. And so let me just begin by asking you to go back to the beginning and, and talk about uh, the experience that brings you here today, which is a hard thing to talk about, and some of the things that you've been through. Why don't you start at the beginning and, and kind of just get, walk us through where kind of this journey begins when it comes to your loss and some of the things that you've experienced during that. Well, it's hard to uh, pick where the beginning is. Um, uh, my wife and I have have four kids together, and... Um, and Logan is our oldest. And um, uh, depending on how far we go back, you know, I, I'm I'm just going to go back to about a year before before Logan died. Um, Logan uh, had had a son, and he and his girlfriend were were raising their son, and uh, but they were also uh, using using drugs and and Logan decided I got to get clean um, otherwise I'm a goner and so he went to Teen Challenge and left uh, his girlfriend the mother of their child with with the baby and he went into Teen Challenge and he he got cleaned up which was really great and uh, afterwards he decided to go into the military, uh, which he did, and he he did great there as well. 
and he had a plan, and, and the plan was to get his feet on the ground and and make a life to where he could take his son back, raise him, and, uh, and have a good life. Um, unfortunately, he struggled with, with a lot of things. Um, he had, I would say, a very real, real relationship with Jesus. Uh, but it was a messy one. Uh, he, he struggled from before he was a Christian. He, he, he struggled with drug abuse. And after he became a Christian, he struggled with other things. And uh, it all culminated when uh, one night, just a little over three years ago, um, he took his life. And, and that was, if I go back to that night, I mean, I can still recall it like, like it happened last night. Uh, you get the knock on the door, and you're wondering what, what's going on. And you hop out of bed, and you see a police officer out there, and immediately you go through your head, okay, who's home, who isn't? Um, Logan didn't live at home, but our other kids did at the time and and so I went okay uh Spencer's gone where is he and 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 so I start going through the list but I open the door and they ask if they can come in and and you ask them in and or invite them in and they uh they told us that uh they had found Logan in the motel room where he was living uh, because he worked so far away, even though he kept his, his stuff at our, our place. He worked down in Red Wing. We live in Needham Prairie, and it was just too far of a jaunt for him to, to drive every night. So he was at a motel room much of the time. Anyway, he, uh, they said we found him in the motel room. He had taken his life. And uh, his fiancée had found him, and, which was devastating for her. Um, and then everything just kind of stopped. I mean... Yeah, I was just going to say that exact word. Everything just stops, doesn't it? Yeah. The world just, it's like everything stops turning. Yeah, you don't, you don't know how to process it. And, you know, I, I remember thinking to myself, uh, am I, am I mad? Am I sad? I felt immediately numb, and I don't think it was just because it was so late at night and I had just been woken up. It was just I didn't know what to feel. I didn't know what to think. I, I, uh, the police officer was kind enough to come in and, and share some stuff with us and and uh, sit with us for quite a while just to make sure that uh, we weren't going to, I don't know, do anything rash or or something. I wasn't quite sure. In that time, uh, our son Spencer came home, and of course we told him immediately what had happened, and and he left the room. And uh, I kept thinking about Milo, Logan's son, who lives with us, who had been living with us since uh, since he went into Teen Challenge. And I kept thinking, oh, how am I going to tell him? I mean, we were all supposed to go out to eat. Uh, that weekend, and uh, Logan wanted to take us out and treat us to a to a nice meal, and 
And then the week after that was was Milo's birthday. He was going to turn six. So I kept wondering, what in the world am I going to say to this little guy? And um, and I remember I, I, I didn't sleep for the next, I think it was 40 hours. You'd lay in bed and you'd just go, I, I can't shut any of this off. My brain just keeps going and going. And um, I know I'm just kind of rambling right now. No, it's okay. I'm no, no, it's it's okay. It's um, recalling it is hard enough. And I want to go back to something you said a little bit earlier, if you don't mind. You sure. mentioned that Logan's faith was real, but it was messy. And it seems like in churches, a lot of times we don't have a place for real and messy. We want kind of real and clean or real and, you know, in the Christian box. Oh, yeah. Kind of, right? Yeah, and sterile. S- sterile. <laughs> and we look at somebody that's having a hard time in a certain area and we kind of judge them or we wonder what's wrong with them or what's wrong with their relationship with Christ. Or Right. Tell me tell me about that. How did you process that, process that as a parent as you watched him struggle with these different things, but yet you knew that he loved Jesus at the same time? Yeah. Oh, I definitely did. I mean, just a week before uh, he took his life, we were on a walk together, and and he was sharing some stuff, and with tears coming down, he said, Dad, God has shown me that he loves me so much, so incredibly much. He said, I've never been loved like this before, that there's nothing I can do that can separate me from God's love. I mean, he was so convinced of it. He he, he said it with tears streaming down, like I said. And um, and I I didn't know how to process that. When he said, "There's nothing I can do that would turn God's love away from me," um, I remember the thought crossed my mind. And now I think back on it, and I go, "What was what was happening?" Because I thought, well. True, you know, aside from blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, you know, there's nothing you can do. But I can think of a sin that uh, maybe it's forgivable, but it's awfully hard to repent of, and it's suicide. Mm -hmm. I mean, that crossed my mind right then Mm -hmm. when he said that. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but but his faith was real. I mean, when, when he came back from, from Teen Challenge, it it wasn't just getting a son back. It was like getting a brother, because he was so on fire. And Minnesota Teen Challenge is amazing. Yes. It's an amazing organization. Yeah, and so so it was it was it was great getting him back. And then he went off into the service, and and. Whether that was a good thing or not, or the right thing to do or not, it, that's hard to tell. You know, I think of when I think of people being restored or people that have messy face, I, I often go to Peter. Mm. And I think of what a mess that guy was. Yeah. You know, a lot of the Lord's earthly ministry. Peter had all of this zeal and love for Jesus, and he had real faith. I mean, Jesus would say, He'd ask him questions, and Peter would say, "Well, where else am I going to go? You're the you're the son of God." And but yet the guy was a disaster at times. <laughs> and then Jesus commissioned him 
to go out and be a linchpin for the church. Right. And so God is in that messiness. And that's encouraging to me because I know that I'm a recipient of that grace. Amen. I'm just not watching other people be recipients of it. And so there's, there's really hope in that. Do you go back as a parent and beat yourself up for not seeing the signs? Or do you, what was that like for you? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. There's, there's a lot of that. And uh, fortunately for me, though, I will say that my wife, Michelle, has never pointed that finger. And uh, I've never pointed it at her either. Uh, there's never been the, well, if you would have, you know, this or that. Um, I pointed at myself, yeah. and I try not to, to let that happen too much because there, there are just too many variables. Yeah. Uh, uh, you, you can't just pin it down onto one thing and say, oh, yeah, if I would have bought him that candy bar, when he was right. eight years old, yeah, right. That's Everything right. Everything would yeah. have been no, it wouldn't have. Because it's ultimately his decision. I, I lost a son. It wasn't to suicide. It was to uh, a robbery. But he got involved with some people that mm. weren't weren't the best. And I go back and think, well, if I would have, you know, stepped in here or not let him do that or talk to this person over here. But those are games that we play sometimes, and I think the enemy uses that to to drive us into despair and and self-loathing when really you're right there's so many variables yeah yeah there really are i mean it's you can't really let that game go on too long in your head uh because it 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 can suck you into a a a certain type of sadness that's almost addicting mm -hmm. and and you almost get so used to feeling that guilt that when you don't feel it you feel like something's wrong um that's just something that uh i i didn't experience that but i felt like god was saying when this whole thing started don't let that happen you know when when Logan died, three people said things to me that, that meant the most. I called my dad, and right away, the very first words that came out of his mouth were, Brad, it's not your fault. And, you know, <laughs> not anyone could have said that and, and have it stick, but but when your when your dad tells you it's not your fault, that really hits home and and helps you a lot. Um, so that that was one of the great things that were said to me. Another thing was when I when I went back to work, um, the CEO of of our company, um, MTS where I work, called me into his office. And uh, he said, Brad, I'm, I'm so sorry to hear what's happened. He said, I, I, I got the word that your son Logan died on the 18-month anniversary of my son dying. He said, 
And I want you to know, being a man of faith, he said, I believe we will see our sons again. And um, I, I got to tell you, that, that comes back to me so often. And uh, it really, it, it just solidified in me what, what is my faith really. Because cause when we got this news, and after I finally got some sleep, you know, 40 hours later, I, uh, I, I processed it and I went, wait a minute, heaven or eternal life or the new heavens, the new earth, however you want to describe this, um, it, it's, it can't just be a theology for me anymore. Before it was, it was fine being a theology. And, you know, I could study the scriptures and go, okay, this, this, and this. These all line up. This is, but now all of a sudden it was like, no, this has to be real. I mean, if, if this ain't real, this, this is bad. Yeah. <laughs> this is just bad. Yeah. And uh, so I, I ran to the Lord. And the very first thing I did was I... I cracked open my Bible and I said, God, I've got to be near you. I've got to, uh, I'm seeking, uh, I'm seeking some peace here and I'm only going to get it from you. And so I opened up the Bible and I said, okay, Lord, where do you want me to read? And I opened it up to the gospel of John. Now for most people, I think they love the Gospel of John. It's never been my favorite book of the Bible. I'm like, every time I read it, I've always been like, oh, why don't you just say what you mean? <laughs> be, yes, like, right, yes. be like Matthew. Be like Luke, you know. Talking in circles. Yeah, yeah, exactly. In the beginning was the Word, and, you know, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Why didn't you just say, God's the Word? Right. <laughs> you know? So, but I felt like God said, you read this. And I sat there and I read it and it just came to life. I never saw so much grace as, as what I did when I, and I'd read John many, many times before. It's, it's not a book that I skip. It's just, it was never my favorite, but boy, this time I was reading it and, and I was, I was just blown away. I was just blown away by all the grace that I saw in every page and every chapter and verse. And uh, it, it kind of made me realize that maybe my picture of, of Jesus was a little bit skewed, maybe a little too, maybe not grace-filled enough, put it that way. And it, it made me uh, it, or it helped me understand Logan's relationship with him better. Because I think through it, what God was saying was, Logan's okay. I've got him. In fact, later on, uh, I was talking with, with our son Spencer, and uh, he said, yeah, Dad, when, when I came home and you told me the news, he said, I went outside on the deck, and uh, I looked up, and I, I just prayed, and I said, God, you know, 
where, where is all this? What's, what's going on here? And he said, God gave me a picture. And my son Spencer doesn't talk like this. But he said, God gave me a picture. And I saw Logan standing next to the father. And in front of him was this huge cloud of demons. Okay. And he said, God took Logan, put him behind him, and said, you don't have to worry about them anymore. And uh, that uh, I heard that and I went, wow, that is not a word from my son Spencer. That's, that's a word uh, from God telling me he's got him. He's okay. And that's peace. Yeah. And I think of Job when he found out that his world had been destroyed and his family had been wiped out. And what did he do? He went and worshipped. And that seemed strange at first until you realize that that was his first reaction because he loved God. And it's, it's like what you just described. You knew where you had to go, yeah. which is a gift. And yeah, it's the it power is. of the Holy Spirit yeah. because you, you can't think of that on your own, really. It's the faith that's in you takes root, and you're then driven to God by that. That's a real gift, isn't it? Yes, it is. And I'll tell you, uh, it gives you a different perspective. I went and I was reading the book of Job. And every other time I've read this book, whenever, when, when Job's wife comes up and says, what are you doing? Why don't you just curse God and die? I've always thought, boy, what's wrong with that lady? Right. But after this happened, I, I was reading it, and I went, that is a woman speaking out of a tremendous amount of hurt and pain, and I, I've only caught a glimpse of it. She had all of her kids die in a single day. And all of a sudden, God was, it was like God was saying, so you, you have grace for her too? And I'm like, oh yeah. Yeah. A lot of people look at her and say, well, she's not the, you know, the Proverbs woman. She's, but you're right. And that's an interesting outlook because we tend to think of these biblical characters as being just storybook characters. And there's real life going on there. And, and the pain must have just been unbearable. And I'm sure at some point she got traction and, you know, she was able to, to deal with it. But the, that tendency that we have, you know, it's like I think of when I found out about our son and, and uh, went through that process. It's like all of the years you've invested, all of the times you sat there in the mornings and read the word and go, I got nothing from that. Or, you know, you go to work and you go like, oh, you know, it all comes back. It's there. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, if you're not willing to invest, it won't be there. And so I just want to encourage, you know, encourage listeners to invest now. Just take time with God. Learn him. Figure out who he is. Because at times like you're describing, it's a well worth investment. Yeah. It really that's, is. That's for sure. I don't, I don't know uh, what I would have done. Yeah. Um in my in my Christian walk, which has been for over thirty years now, um, I I realized early on that when when things are going bad, when things um, 
even even when you're sinning, and the best place to run is Jesus. Just just run to Him. He's uh, waiting, and He wants you to come there. Yeah. And I want to pursue that next time, because you have other aspects of the story, Brad, that are amazing. And I want to catch up with that next time and talk more about this journey that you're on. And sure. I so much appreciate you being here. Brad Kneffelkamp is our guest, telling his story. And that's what we do on Life Support. We tell stories, and we're talking about suffering. And sometimes suffering causes us to lose our bearings. And you may feel right now that you're lost in the fog. We're going through a national emergency. People are losing others. We're losing jobs. But, you know, don't worry. God is planning every one of your steps. Deuteronomy 31.8 tells us, The Lord is the one who goes ahead of you. He will be with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. So God has the perfect path for you, and you can fully trust him. And I want to encourage you with those words today. I want to thank you for being with us on Life Support. We love our partners, Faith Radio, Five Stone Media, and Ridgewood Church, MyFaithRadio.com, MyRWC.org, slash Life Support. And you can see this in video form on FiveStoneMedia.com. Would love to see you on Twitter as well, at Pastor Paul J. Thanks so much for being here, and we'll catch you next time on Life Support. We're going to have to hold those thoughts, but join us next time for more of the conversation with Pastor Paul and Brad Kneffelkamp. For a video version of this program, log on to fivestonemedia.com slash life support. This program is a co-production of Five Stone Media and Ridgewood Church in Minnetonka, Minnesota. Thanks for listening to this Life Support Podcast. These conversations are available because of listener support. You can make a gift now at MyFaithRadio.com. To avoid missing future editions of Life Support, subscribe to the podcast today at iTunes or your podcast player. And thanks for sharing this audio link with a friend and grow the impact of Life Support.